Greetings, greetings, greetings. Let's get right into it. Thank you for joining us for another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, how are you? It's a good day. Doing well. We can get into it. Let's get right into it. I want to touch on something that we uh, discussed in our last, in our previous podcast, which was the uh, NTA Women's Basketball Committee coming to Houston for a site visit. Uh, as the city of Houston is one of seven finalists for four future host sites for the Women's Final Four from 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. I wondered in our podcast if um, Texas A&M was part of the bid because I didn't see anything mentioned in the Houston Chronicle article. <clears throat> so uh, after our podcast on Sunday, Monday, I spoke to uh, Aggies head coach Gary Blair. And he told me that Aggies were represented, he and AD, and uh, Steve Miller, a part in charge of Aggies events. Let me pull up Steve's title here. You can go to our blog post on Houston Round Bar Review Women's, Women's Hoops blog and uh, get more information about it. But I got some comments from Steve Monday to shed a little bit of light on why the Aggies got involved in the, in the Final Four bid with the city of Houston. They are partnering with the city of Houston and the uh, Harris County Sports Authority Basically, Steve Miller is the Aggies assistant athletic director for events and external services. Now, reading, you can see uh, I sent the post to my colleagues. Uh, I'm not sure I got a chance to read it, what he said. But he goes into some thoughts on the bid process. The Aggies got involved because, as he says, women's basketball is very important at Texas A&M. And it became even more prominent after the Aggies won the 2011 NCAA Women's Basketball Championship. And it's also a way for AM to position itself in the sport, partnering with the Harris County Houston Sports Authority to bring Women's Final Four to the state of Texas and to our region. And he said that many hours were put in on the phone with their bid committee representing Houston. Uh, he said that this has been going on extensively since uh, last September. Uh, Toyota Center, space assignments, hotel negotiations, etc. All these in- this information is on the, in the blog post on the HRR Women's Hoops blog. That was Monday's post. That info wasn't not in the Chronicle. No mention of Aggies representation yeah. in the Chronicle. It's, with, with that being said, you know it's, it, the partnership wasn't mentioned in the uh, in the Dallas article, but the Dallas article. Was a lot more research and a lot more work now, and and and, I, and I'm gonna go with that. Slow, slow down, slow down, Wildcat. You, you, <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. You jump in the shark. Slow down, slow down. Because because do you work now. If you if you don't, we all in this slow, business. Slow, slow we know down. to do your work. Slow, do your work, man. Throwing rocks. This is this is the discussion. Yeah. He's throwing rocks already. Yeah, he's you know. not even holding. Yeah, he's hiding his hand. He's throwing rocks. No, let's get the discussion he, going. Let's discuss it first. Because because you take your money out of my pocket if you ain't doing your job. Because Dallas, that's true, is not. Is not partnering with anybody. This no. is the city of Dallas. Partner. Oh, you know, this 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 is their bid. This is not Baylor and Dallas. This is Dallas, the city of Dallas, partnering. You know, working with, trying to get the women's final four to the city of Dallas. Which by NCAA, they have to bring so they, a school in to help. So yeah, they'll get a whole school. Right. But, but yes, 
But well, least, I think what it really shows to me is the larger picture is just how much further ahead, and this will hurt a lot of people from the Houston area, and then this will give a framework for those that listen to us outside of Texas. But from a sporting context, um, this really shows how far ahead Dallas is over Houston in regards to how they go after major events, uh, and they just don't go after professional major events. They go after all types of major events um, in the sporting world, whether it's boxing, uh, as you see with Jerry Rice, and I think, I mean, with uh, Jerry Jones, excuse me there, who kind of pushed the envelope and get gets everybody on. You know, they partnered with the Mavericks uh, in terms of bringing the All-Star game there, and they did something different than anybody else. They played it at Jerry World to, to accommodate such large crowds when you look at Mark Cuban. And so they just do it differently, and I think this shows your step of uh, what they've done with some of the uh, classic games of the year. And you see everybody else around Texas in a lot of ways outside of that kind of following their lead in terms of how they formalize, how to uh, make Dallas a destination for sporting events. And some would say even outside of that in terms of just general entertainment for large groups coming in to do their conferences at the same time in that format. I think Houston has a way to go. I mean, they, they're just not bringing it at that level. And there's not much that many people in Houston would say that Dallas is in front of Houston. But in this, it, to me, it's, it's a red flag, red hair, and it's obvious. And one and, of the things. And that, that boils down to who's in charge and how they run things at the uh, Physicist Bureau and the Convention uh, Committee. Absolutely. Um, at some point, you need to figure out why your events are not measuring up or you're not getting certain events on a consistent basis right. and when folks come in you're not getting repeat business and that is and the three of us all understand by repeat business that means you can box at the calendar in certain uh, yeah. certain things just either, like uh, you know for the super bowl it's going to go to new orleans a certain uh, amount of times yeah you know in a five six seven year period correct it's going to go there one time it pretty much is going to miami one time um, outside of L.A. It hadn't been there a while, but Glendale. Yeah. It's going to go to those areas pretty much. You know, Houston is trying to get in that circle, uh, but hasn't been able to really. True. Well, a couple of a, a couple of stadiums have, have gone up since the last time we hosted here also. So that's kind of like killed things in the, in the process uh, of us getting right. the Right, they did event. so well on the NFL, but I'm saying it's like, it's kind of like boom or bust. Well, yeah, then that's true. They go after the major market events, which is, you know, the Super Bowl. Oh, right. They go after, you know, Major League Baseball, All-Star Game, you know, the professional yeah. ranks, the NBA All-Star Game. They go after, obviously, uh, the Final Four for the men's. But outside of that, I mean, it wasn't until just this recently where they decided to go into business to try to get some of the high school game. This is after Dallas and Cherry Jones and the Can Palace just, showed, just beat everybody down. showed the roadmap how to get it done. Boxing, you know, they haven't been in that arena. Mm -hmm. Now with the women's Final Four, we see the framework of how this goes on. But I'm just saying outside of that, it was not until Dallas got in the business of doing these uh, preseason classics and middle-of-the-season classics right, right. with several games. Houston says, hey, that's not a bad idea. They went after it. Um, now Dallas has, what, almost three or four major classic games they do a, a year. year. They have the opening and they do two or three and they've been 
steady increasing it. They started with the opening, then they found a way to get Baylor, TCU there. Uh, they do one with SMU. Now they have the Texas A&M, mm-hmm. Arkansas. So they do about three or four a year and have steadily increased it. And this doesn't even increase the count, the postseason with the Cotton Bowl, which obviously as far as held in, you know, we had the Blue Hunter Bowl at one time, but it's gone. And now we're trying to bring back the Texas Bowl. But in those frameworks in sports, when you get outside of the top tier events, we just are not prepared to push the envelope. And it shows in our bid process. You looked at, I think you did a beautiful job when you said, just look at these two articles. You sent a link to the Dallas article and <laughs> newspaper up there in DFW in terms of what they did, and you sent one for the Houston Chronicle. And it was startlingly obvious who was serious. In the middle of the paragraph when you looked at Dallas, you could tell they were quite excited about what Dallas put in the paper. They said they want us here. They want to be a part of this. You could tell that they strategically laid out a plan that was not just about hosting an event, but having them there and being happy about having them there. Uh, laying out a plan that shows that you're intrigued about women's basketball, not just having an event that happens to be a big-time event. And, and that – uh, is my main point, and I'm not as bold this time as uh, the Wildcat is returning to throwing rocks at the Chronicle because the Chronicle is the Chronicle, and I've thrown rocks at them before for their lacking coverage. Yeah, I think in other not, events. Not showing due diligence. I went as to uh, no. I think it's a whole different thing. I think it's a business platform. I went to a Houston Chronicle event uh, where they were doing. I think it was Thursday, where they were doing their inaugural eight, uh, Houston Chronicle Symposium, basically. Uh-huh. And one of the things they do with those types of events is kind of show off, showcase who they are. Well, Houston Chronicle is not is more about being, and this is just from what I can glean. I don't want to act. This is what they say, but what I can glean, it's about driving sales through media, multimedia sessions, and they'll generate some news from that. But I think in terms of what they want to do just being a journalistic platform, it's further down the list. And you can see that when you look at the Dallas Morning News, that while I'm sure they're trying to aggregate also multiple media platforms, it seems like they have a concerted effort to still maintain some major print journalism platform versus what I see with the Chronicle. I mean, uh, when I go up there and pick up a Dallas Morning News when I travel, usually it's this weekend because I'm there for the Grand State game, and you bring that newspaper back, um, it, it's impressive. And obviously I go through the business sector, and I think our business component of the newspaper is pretty strong. Uh-huh. Front page, those are easy things that you magnify. But when you look at the sports section, of the Dallas Morning News versus the Houston Chronicle, that's not even close. Uh, in the three major markets that I kind to visit in terms of what I consider the major markets, media markets of the South, which in my opinion are uh, Houston, Dallas, and Atlanta, and to put in a, for the top three, yeah, that's true. I would rank the Houston Chronicle versus the Atlanta Journal-Constitution 
in the Dallas Morning News, I would rate the Houston Chronicle third. Distant third. Yes. And that's only because I'm not pulling Putting any in a other fourth ones. or a fifth. Fourth in there. Yeah. So that just tells you uh, the lack of coverage we have from a Chronicle in regards to sports. And it's the major brand in terms of they do a relatively good job when it comes to their professional sports, covering those. But outside of that, they don't go very deep in detail with other work. Uh, even in Atlanta, when you look at their AAU center, they at least have a general coverage. Some people say it's lacking and they do more. But you're talking about Division two programs, and they still make sure that they get some coverage. You'll even see in Dallas, you'll see some of the Red River uh, Athletic or Central State Football League uh, conference up there, which is NIA. And so you can see all that platform in the Dallas Morning News and the Houston Chronicle. You'll get the, you know, you'll get the Texans. Major, you get the Texans, the Rockets, that kind of information. You'll get obviously the Texas A&M, the Texas Longhorns, your other FBS programs. When you get to the SWAC and the Southland Conference, you'll get your general piece on the regional teams of Sam Houston State, uh, Prairie View, Texas Southern, maybe some Lamar, and you'll basically get those scores, a small write-up. You move on, but if you're looking for outside of that, you won't get it. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution, they have a steady list that shows all the scores from the SIAC, the MEAC, and all those scores in there, uh, SWAC from that region, uh, the SIAC, which is out of the based out of Atlanta, and Birmingham, essentially, they have those scores. Uh, they have the Southern Conference in there. Uh, so I'm not just glazing through that I'm actually looking sure. for detailed work in terms of conferences that I cover and that uh, from that platform so it is what it is and uh, unfortunately I'm disappointed with the Chronicle because I not, think they used to be able to they, did well, they used to do a better job yeah. in their competition yeah, yeah. and they really had Houston Post Post yeah. yeah that was one and you just put out two papers a day uh, per, per paper, uh, for, right. for a I paper. can understand them cutting on that, but the competition good. Yeah. But you got the Atlanta but, Journal Constitution, which is a merger of a paper basis. Sure, you have Dallas in terms. Yeah, that's true. With the, uh, the four four stars, but, but the, yeah, the star, excuse me, uh, Telegram. But really, the big paper is the yeah. Dallas. So it's not that much difference it's in not, terms. It's the emphasis of, of what the, the chronicle of what they want. What they want to cover. It's, it's football. Like, it's football. Yeah. Eighty percent of the time, Rockets get some, get some from yeah, pro football, now, high school football, even a little bit more than college football. We talk about U of H and Rice and TSU and Prairie View. They focus point, more on the Longhorns and the Aggies than they do, yeah. as some U of H alums lament. You know, this is we're the city team. Yeah, you focus more on Longhorns and the Aggies than you do us. Right. So, yeah. they they have their yeah. focus. Yeah. And um, a couple of weeks back, I did it all, uh, a uh, on a video. Uh, interview with um, uh, one of the David Cougar media directors, um, Chris Sheldon, I think that's, if I remember. Uh, and he did, he interned this uh, this summer, this past summer, paid internship rather, uh, with a uh, Florida uh, Sun Times. Uh, and he talked about how they are more driven toward the digital side rather than, than the print. I mean, the print is basically for up just you know it's it's still out there because there is a uh, a readership uh, for folks that, that that ask for it and still pick it up on a regular basis, especially like on the weekends, you know, the Wednesday uh, coupons and advertisement uh, car dealerships. But they uh, the 
this as a, as a state, the papers are more geared toward the digital aspect, social media. Uh, you basically have to do three articles when you do go and cover a, an event. You have to do a, a, a photo, do your own photos, uh, a write-up for online and in print, and a video interview if possible. And that all has to make the uh, the you know the next uh, within a certain amount of time period. If not, you know you're pretty much pushed toward the uh, fluff pages and, and left to a desk uh, a desk situation um, at the heck uh, back at the uh, city desk. And somewhere else along the way, the Chronicle has it in their mind that there's enough readership here in this city to overwhelm what they do on online and that's why they they stay with the with the print aspect of that's how we're gonna get it out that's how yeah, we're gonna I think deliver it's strictly a business decision and they've looked at this market and i think because they haven't done it for so long there's not really an interest in the market and the market is uh taking the bear and that's why you have footprints like us doing our delivery you have other organizations doing it so other people are covering What's missing? So that's just a general business practice that takes takes on. So in a lot of ways, it's good for what we do. It's good for those that are trying to find their niche. Uh, but what happens, in my opinion, if you don't do it for long enough, what people it's not necessary that people don't have the interest. They'll just find it out other places. And you have the fact that now that you can go to the Dallas Morning News, if that becomes your favorite paper from traveling, or you need that, now you can go online and get those components that you want. You can go get the Atlanta Journal Constitution. So um, there are ways to still get that information. So it's not like people are going to clamor because they're not really missing it because they find a way to get it. It's just a strictly a, a framework for the way that the Houston Chronicle and its larger entity uh, at, at does business. And I want to say a few things. Um, I think the committee met with Dallas Wednesday. And I got, because I have it set up on Twitter to get direct tweets from the NCAA Women's Basketball Twitter account, I received a tweet Dallas uh, about this Dallas site visit. I didn't get anything last Wednesday when the committee was in Houston on their site visit of Toyota Center. Small things like that. We see a picture in the Dallas Morning News article of Anuka Brown doing a selfie with the one of the high school bands on the yeah. Dallas Morning News. That was pretty awesome. The picture in the Chronicle was of 2011 Men's Final Four. Let me say that again. 2011 Men's Final Four. Yeah. The article was about the Women's Final Four as a bid coming to Houston, not the Men's Final Four. Men's Final Four is going to be here in 2016 for the second time. This site visit was by the NCAA Women's Basketball Committee. So why are you showing me a picture of a 2011 Men's Final Four logo? Small things like that, you know, uh, I don't understand. You have another quote, a quote from Anuka Brown referring to or describing the American Airlines Arena, excuse me, that's in Miami, the American Airlines Center in Dallas as the gold standard. Did you have that quote about Toyota Center? And that bothered me. Another quote from, there were five people quoted in the Dallas article, three folks quoted in the Houston Chronicle article. I would be interested to understand the framework of of why the American Airlines Center 
is the gold standard. Yeah. You should have had a follow up question with that. So that's something that's taken what to ask to ask from the Dallas writer why he, he didn't he or she he did not ask. And I'm sure from his standpoint. He could have. He, he might have asked, and they just didn't. Well, I'm saying from his standpoint, out, yeah. he, he got what he needed. Right. He needed. He really didn't yeah. need to know why. I'm just curious because I like compare. Well, and I don't think it's a facility thing. I think it's more in terms of with what, their eyeballs. So, not just with the eyeball. I'm thinking it's about the way they were treated. Yeah. Yes, I, that, I, I agree. Uh, if you, your not first necessary just facility, but people don't understand a lot that, that people partake in terms of facilities. How do you feel? Do they make you feel at home? Because that's the picture that I got from the NCAA committee on Twitter was, I think, from the airport showing the committee, welcome to Dallas. I didn't get that from Houston. So I don't I don't I don't believe that same treatment took place last week. I hope I'm wrong. Right. But, you know, I didn't see that via Twitter from the NCAA women's account. Yeah. So little things like that. You had a quote from the Dallas uh the president of the Dallas Convention and Visitors Bureau. First thing he says, quote, every little thing matters, end quote. So if Houston dropped the ball and didn't do the little things, and Wildcat, you said, I'm not going to call out the person, but you said uh, a person referenced BBVA Compass Stadium rather than Toyota Center in, in the presentation. That's a, that's a fumble. Right there, if you're trying to woo the NCAA committee, you don't even get the right facility that's going to host the Women's Final Four. That's a fumble. Things like that. Yeah, that's not good. One of the reasons that Dallas believes that they did not get the Women's Final Four and they bid for it in 2008 was because Dallas, because the arena, had not, had not hosted high-profile women's sporting events. So what, what have they done? Dallas has hosted... Women's Basketball Regional and the Women's Big 12 Championship. They went to work. So they they strengthened their weaknesses. They went to work. And they went to work. Yeah. So unless the city, the NCAA committee, is counting the Aggies hosting of the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament for two or three years as part of Houston's effort of hosting women's sporting events recently, the city of Houston is lacking. Because there have not been any major women's sporting events hosted by Houston. None. So, so little things like that None. add up. And it was told to me from someone that I respect greatly that Houston, that, that the committee would not award the Final Four to Houston and Dallas. That so, makes sense. So both cities are not going to be in that four-year window. Unfortunately for us, because I don't think people understand the difference between Houston and Dallas. That that while it's in Texas, oh. it's almost like two different worlds. Right. Oh, and, 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 <laughs> and for everybody else, it's like all right, we went to Texas, uh, we went to that Southwest region. Yeah. And and the other thing that I noticed that people don't understand, unless you're from the either one of these two cities, we don't like each other when it comes to competing against each other. It's almost it it's, it just kills us. It just bothers us to no end to lose. To yeah. The other. other other than being proud of. Of being Texans, Texans, you really mm-hmm. would see these two cities as if they were almost in different states. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah, that's true. So, um, I'm not giving up on, no, on Women's Final Four until you know, it's announced. being awarded to Houston because, as Doc pointed out in the last podcast, you look at Tampa Bay. 
you know, you look at New Orleans. Those are not, either one of those cities are known for their support of women's college basketball. And I'm just going to say this because it's just a fact. The three of us would be, in our lifetime, find it just totally off the deep end. Uh, the basketball guards would have to just say, Dean Rice, uh, U of H, it's your time. We will not have a representative in the Final Four during our lifetime. Unless we count the Aggies. I'm saying within the city. Okay, yeah, yeah, of, I'm like, yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm being honest. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm and being I agree. Just, and I, it's, it's, I have Even mentioned if you put this. together an all-star team of U of H, Rice, TSU, PV, and HBU, still wouldn't be good enough to get the women's Final Four, right? Right. It's just will not happen. It's not in the cards. It's not in the cards. But and I, and I agree. Don't get me wrong. All right, did okay. I, I did all right. Have, all right. I'm seeing possibly, possibly. A distant pin light to a regional. Oh no no hold on! Somebody get a into a pin light at the end of a long now length tunnel. Somebody get into a regional. Could be a pin light. Listen. Could be a pin light. He's saying just make it to the tournament. A pin light <laughs> because the Houston I, Cougars, I, I, the Houston Cougars, and Coach Huey seem to be on their job when it comes to getting talented players, or working toward it because they have. Two verbals from young ladies from the state of Oklahoma. No. Who are, um, have grades of 90. One has a grade of a 90, one has a grade of 88, according to ESPNHoopGirls.com. Oh. One is 6'2, and the other one's 5'10. And she's a 5'10, I think she's a point guard. Point, she's, you know, she's point guard, big guard. So at least that, as you've always said, for a while now, that UVA has to get bigger and more athletic. Oh yeah, I agree. So the sixty young ladies' names are these are verbals, like I said. But I read, I found some articles Friday that um, re- referenced Sherayla Brown and Sarethia Hawkins as commitments to University of Houston, not just verbals, actual commitments. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But that class of uh, 2015. So that gives me hope. Um, Sherayla Brown is ranked 17th. At her position, according to ESPN Hoop Girls, and Sarethia Hawkins is ranked 62, and that's nationally. Oh, so, my God. So that's why I said a, a pin light could be maybe coming down at the, at, Nile, at the end of that Nile length tunnel. So maybe this new staff Somebody. is bringing some talent into the city of Houston. And I will say this. I, I didn't get names because I was at the uh, U of H University football game tailgating. But I saw Coach Huey and his staff, they were on their job. They had re- recruited recruits on a visit. Okay. And I'm glad to say many of those recruits were taller than me. Oh. Okay. And I'm yeah. 5'10 and a half, 5'11. So these young ladies were taller than me. Okay. So I did okay. let Coach Huey know that we are going to be at the immediate day for the American. I, I introduced myself to him because, you know, just – Worried about having a chance to talk to him face to face, so that was the first time I get a chance. I'm glad to see him and Coach Samson, the men's basketball staff. You know, taking advantage, supporting fellow U of H sports. They're supporting the football team, so it's good to see everybody there. So I was glad to see the U of H women's basketball staff on their job. Yeah. So that's that's that gives wow. me hope. Wow. 
Really? So that gives that's like I said, it's a pin light at the end of a long dark tunnel, but at least they're on their job and based on you know, obviously these are rankings by hoop girls. I've seen young lady play and you know, these ranks could be accurate or they could be wrong, you know. So we have to see that. Yeah, I, I need to see them. I need to see how they, they see, see them with my own eyes they gotta fit in. to see how they play and they they, they indeed have talent. I, I will admit what they've done this summer is totally different than what yes. I've seen since I've Coach been Coach has been much more involved in the community. They have Along a, with the girls. Oh, yes. Not, not just as a coach. No, no. He, he, and he's made a point to have his team um, do things for the food bank, do things with uh, meaning mentor, have a mentorship program started. So, and they have a uh, upcoming, I want to get this right, Hoops and Heels classic, and I say classic, a, an event where it allows women business executives to uh, interact and learn what it, a day in the life of what it's going to be like to be a U of H women's basketball player. It's called uh, Hoops in Heels Fantasy Classic. It's going to be in a few weeks. It's going to take place in October. And there's a price to it, but you basically get an idea of the steps that the Cougars will uh, experience on game day. So it allows women to see what life is like as a U of H women's basketball player. So shoot around, scouting reports, breaking down film, practice drills, et cetera. And since we're talking about U of H, and since I am a U of H alum, a very proud one, earlier this week, um, Mac Rhodes. Again? And what is he, the vice president of raising money? That's really what he does well. Not really that, you know, suffer these two hires, hired coaches has not been a strength of his. Y'all got sidebars. Y'all got sidebars. He has uh, vice president for intercollegiate athletics is Mr. Rhodes' official title. Okay. But along with Coach Sampson and Coach Huey, they unveiled the renderings of the new basketball development facility. $25 million facility. It's going to be on the corner of Cullen and Holman. I find it strange that it went there. finished next year, August 2015. I find it strange that it's going to be on Three levels. I just do. I just it's at the corner of... Cullen and Holman. So it's like right in front yeah. of Hall Fines. Where the grassy area, yeah, the, the grassy knoll is on the, uh, uh, between the, the campus and, and Hall Fines. It's just... It's, I guess they didn't want to... They, could, they didn't yeah. want to give up the, uh, the parking space and that, uh, the uh, training school and on, on the right. other side. It's basically what it boiled down to. So they, they, they broke ground this week. And, you know, I think because this will, will not involve any asbestos and not tearing anything down. So get it done in a year's time. I think that should be a, a reasonable yeah. timetable. So everybody levels. got their own court, huh? You're just talking about a facility. So, yeah, it's a facility. And I have quotes from the press release from Coach Sampson on the Men's Hoops blog of the Round Bar Review as well as Coach Hughes on the Women's, women's Hoops blog. But uh, I'm impressed. It's Supposed to be almost 53,000 square feet dedicated practice court for each, uh, the men's team and women's team, sports performance and sports medicine areas to be used by both programs on the first level, team areas, including locker rooms and academic film rooms on the second level, and then the coaches' offices and the support staff will be on the third level. So I think it's a great, it's another example of U of A's trying to to do things to finally support athletics and going forward and competing with the big-time 
big the big boys and the big girls. So it looks good. We'll see if it plays off, and, and you can at least you can now show recruits and the renderings and say, "This, this is, is where you're going to be. This is coming. This is how it's going to be when you get here. You can put in work here and get better during the off season in these in this building. So, because we all know." The majority of the big time programs have their own yes. practice facilities to work on, work on their game and improve. So, Weight rooms, training, and everything. So I'm glad to see U of H moving forward. So that's a good thing. And while we're we're going to end my little U of H segment to have a, a moment to hear from our first sponsor and hopefully not our last, THG Agency. THG Agency is the Heritage Group. It is a fully integrated consulting company focused on sports business, educational management, and leadership services. For more information, give us a call at 281-330-1341 or email us at info at thg-agency.com. You can also visit the website at thg-agency.com. Thanks once again to THG Agency. Thank you for their support and your probably hear from them later on in our podcast. Gentlemen, as we come out of our, the uh, sponsor spot for THG Agency, let everybody know who you are and where they can find you on the internet. I am Jerry L. Woodley Jr. You can find me on the uh, social media platform, uh, TweetDeck, at uh, Twitter, Facebook, JL Woodley one uh, You can find me at uh, also, on uh, YouTube, my interviews, on YouTube, blogger, on write-ups, um, at AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Reporter. Yes, I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the sports professor. You can find me on the social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A. C-A-V-I-L, that's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can find me at the College Sporting News as we deliver HBCU Sporting News on Inside HBCU Huddle. Uh, as that website is being reintroduced, you'll find content there. Um, you can also find me in terms of a new radio show that we're doing every Tuesday at kcohradio.com uh, you can pick it up on the internet it's 1230 a.m. for those in the local area from 7 to 8 every Tuesday right after the legendary Ralph Cooper's sports rap traditionally from 5 to 7 throughout the week and I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review website is houstonroundballreview.com and also www.thehrr.com you can find me on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R Review. Once again, that's T-H-E-H-R Review. On Instagram at Houston Round Ball Review, as well as YouTube, Houston Round Ball Review, the YouTube channel. We have a Facebook page for our K- for our podcast. Just look it up, KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc. On Facebook, we uh, try to update you on the upcoming podcasts. Don't be shy about asking us questions, suggesting topics you want us to discuss. Visit the Facebook page, KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc. 
on Facebook. Hit us up there, KG Fifthwood Wildcat and Doc Podcast. Go to Facebook, gentlemen. One more thing, um, as I, I want to have one more U of H note. Cougars announced that they're going. There's going to be a U of H men's basketball tip-off dinner on November fifth, featuring head coach Kelvin Sampson and two gentlemen who are quite Hall famous. Hall of Famers. Thank you, sir. Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers. Akeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler. You can uh, auction uh, to sit at the tables of Coach Samson, Clyde, and Akeem. Seats at Samson's Dreams and Drexler's tables will be up for bid online at uhcougars.com starting noon on Monday, which is September 29th, and will end on October 20th. Once again, the uh, tip-off dinner will take place November 5th. Uh, the bids will start at $3,000 to sit at Samson's table, while the bids for to sit at Dreams and Clyde's tables will begin at $5,000. So in other words, just this pocket change for uh, Wildcat. Probably got that in his lint, you know, deep down in his sock. <laughs> why so, why yeah. you calling me out like that, man? So, you know. Uh, <laughs> you two people, yeah, that is it. <laughs> Y'all got five day a weekers, man. So y'all got five day a weekers. That's but, all I'm saying. But but we we joke. But it, I'm glad I'm glad to see <laughs> that. Uh, That's what we do here, folks. No, we have, we're having fun with it. Me. But yeah, but we have. Uh, I'm glad to see that Coach Sampson and Clyde and Dream are. There's going to be a, a, a tip off dinner. It's a way to, to uh, market promote the UVA basketball as well as connect network so tickets for this upcoming season. So it's a, it's a good idea that another example, I think, that U of H Athletics is trying to be big time. I'm just happy that Akeem is included in all of this because you and I both know for a long while that was silence on both sides. And there was a reason for that, which we won't get into, but yes. But the bridges, there were bridges burned in the past between U of H administration and U of H athletes. So bridges have been built and or repaired to connect and reconnect with the legends. So that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that. That's very important. And it's important. Thank you. Doc, if you don't mind, sir, share with us some HBCU information. Yes, the biggest thing out there in terms of HBCU world today are some major ma- matchups that feature uh, top 10 teams uh, going at each other. Uh, you have most of the games that are later on the schedule put in the SWAC. You did have a, a early matchup that created a A uh, and uh, going into Howard, going to the National Capital in Washington, which was the MEAC major game of the week, which featured North Carolina A and T ranked number three, which is the highest ranked uh, program in North Carolina in regards to HBCU programs. So they continue to get it done at the major league level, I should say that. They were beating up on Howard pretty solidly in the fourth quarter there. And so that's something to keep your eyes on. The major ones, though, that are coming later is number one, Texas Southern University travels to number three. Number one in, in what, sir? In Doctorville's HBCU major top Say that again, poll. number one in what? Doctorville's HBCU major division top ten poll ranking this week. Texas Southern, 4-0, 2-0 in the conference race. Travel. They head on the road to Montgomery to a number three Alabama State Hornets team that that is three and one on the season, two and zero in the conference race. Many 
people believe Alabama State is the team that's going to make a run at a SWAC championship uh, and a national HBCU championship. Some would say they're stronger than the Texas Southern Tigers, but that's why you play the games. It'll be interesting, but this is definitely a chance for Texas Southern to show the validity of the number one ranking. We'll see if it holds off. Another one um, that uh, is also intriguing for those around the Houston area as well for a lot of reasons, not necessarily because of the team, but because of a player on the team. Number five, Alcorn State Braves, led by quarterback John Gibbs Jr., right here out of Houston. Look at D. Washington. Yep, uh, is leading the Braves. He's led them to a 3-1 and record, 1-0 and in the conference play. They host number nine Southern Jaguars again of Dr. Phil's HBCU major division top ten poll rankings for this week. Uh, Southern Jaguars are two and two, one and zero in the conference race. As we know, uh, they beat up on Prairie View this past weekend. As a side note, Prairie View is up in Dallas this week at the State Fair Classic. They're taking on a Grambling team that had a major upset last weekend, defeating Jackson State. Um, so they're coming in with a little mojo. They've equaled their victories of last year, so it'll be interesting to see if they can continue their winning ways as they play Prairie View, who's desperately trying to get in the win column as they're 0-3, 0-2 in terms of conference race heading in that game. But more on the top 10 ranking between Southern Jaguars. This is a big game. Alcorn State Braves want to make a statement uh, that they are a top five program. They want to show that they're going to uh, play havoc against Alabama State. Remember, Later in this year, Alabama State Hornets have to actually travel to the reservation. For those that are not aware of it, that is actually what what they call. It's going to be interesting going down uh, to Brave Land. Yeah, the home site of the Alcorn State Braves. You hear them talk about the reservation. So while Southern's there this weekend today, uh, Southern will actually, uh, I mean, uh, Alabama State will have to travel there later. So this is a chance for the Braves to make a statement. This game between Southern and, and Alcorn go way back. They don't like each other. You're talking about border wars between states. People obviously focus quite a bit on the Jackson State-Southern rival, and that's mostly because both teams have found a way to find their ways into championships. But in terms of more bitter rivals, in terms of closeness, you know, uh, Alcorn is nowhere from Baton Rouge. And so yeah, they that, fill up each other's stadiums, and they travel well. They have some very intense – robberies that goes back and forth down there. So this is going to be a beautiful game. For those that have it, it'll actually be broadcast on ESPN3. That's basically the internet station for ESPN. So if you want to watch that, uh, you can, you'll can you see that game. Uh, if you have that uh, package, you'll be able to go to ESPN3 on there. Let's take a look at mid-major level. Many of those games were played earlier, so you'll have some uh, outcomes. I won't necessarily give them away now. Um, give you some time to think about it. But you have a number five Virginia Union Panthers traveling to take on number ten Johnson C. Smith Golden Bulls. Uh, the Panthers are two and one, one and zero oh in terms of CIAA race. Uh, Johnson C. Smith Golden Bulls have not played a conference game, and they come in the game one and two, but they're really solid as well in terms of what they do. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Virginia Union does in that game. They were winning uh, early in the game. Uh, another one to keep your eye on uh, is the fact, I can give you a final on this, Livingston Blue Bears, who are ranked uh, up there in the major, mid-major division polls at uh, number two, and a lot of people are trying to figure out if they're for real. They played uh, Bowie State 
who is not ranked, but Bowie State has lost the last three games to a total points of about nine. So they played some stiff competition, played really well, uh, but they're seems like they're in one of those seasons where they're going to take heartbreak. They lost on the last second field goal with time remaining to Livingston. Livingston remains undefeated, 4-0, so uh, they're making a, a statement there. And one of the reasons I bring them up in terms of that is Daryl Williams is the coach. Daryl Williams was the coach, uh, was the offense quarter assistant coach under our very own Cole. Cole, yeah, yeah. That's, 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 thought that name sounded yeah, for me. So give you some kudos to Daryl Williams, who is taking the leadership of the Blue Bears. And good job, good job, good job. Got his chance to be the head coach, something that he's always wanted to do. And well, one thing put about a program it. together, and now look at him, four and zero. Working with Johnny Cole, he figured out an offense. That's for sure. He, yeah, he, he learned so how to score. Some kudos to him. Give him some credit there in terms of what's going on. Let's head on down back south into the SIC for another classic matchup. This is top ten matchup, number seven, North Fort Valley State Wildcats, two and one on the season, one and zero in the conference race versus uh, Benedict Tigers, who are number six, two and one as well, also one and zero in the conference. Benedict Tigers is hosting that in uh, Columbia, South Carolina this weekend, so be interesting. Fort Valley State uh, would like to continue their winning ways as much as Benedict. Benedict is going to try to make a run at the Eastern Division of the SIAC, so. That's one to keep your eyes on in terms of see what goes on, who gets the edge, early season edge, in the SIEC race. And that'll do it pretty much for the HBC report. Some fabulous matchups for this weekend in terms of what's going on. Uh, I definitely plan to get on the Internet and listen to some blogs and catch that ESPN.com uh, game between Southern and Alcorn, as well as try to keep an ear to what's going on in Dallas with Grambling and Prairie View to give you the latest and see how it shakes up the polls that will be released uh, tomorrow evening, uh, first thing Monday as well. So look forward to those that want to hear it. Obviously, you can listen to the show as we break down the top ten of Dr. Bill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab every Tuesday from 7 to 8 at www.kcuhradio.com or live for those in the Houston area, KCUH Radio, 1230 a.m. Doc, uh, some Good things happened at Gremlin this past week. Uh, they did some new hirings. Uh, can you inf- inform us of what transpired? What yes, department? they went into the basketball ring. They're going to see if they can get in, back into the basketball business. You see what they did in terms of the football business. They hired both men's and women's coach, pretty solid coaches. Uh, in terms of those ranks, you can bring out the names, to give everybody the names on those coaches and where you know them from. A lot of people in this area are kind of happy about announcement that and have some Sean Walker is, is, a, is a new men's basketball head coach for, for Grambling State and then Nadine last name is D-O-M-O-N-D Demond Demond mm-hmm. was hired as women's coach and uh, Wildcat yep she worked uh, with John Coach Big Loop well a little bit yeah, so I, all I can say is young ladies, pedigree. young ladies, young ladies, you better be ready to go to work every day. Yeah, and she's a prodigy of the new athletic director that just took on our interim athletic director that used to be uh, the big time coach there. So, you know, both of them were in the business of making sure the ladies are ready uh, to be serious about uh, playing the basketball, being in shape. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, where Grambling continues to go. It looks like they've made a commitment back to athletics uh, full circle under the uh, new president, 
a new athletic director. So it'll be interesting to see if that continues. Good for Grambling. Good for Grambling. I think it's good hires uh, on both sides. They both have experience. And Wildcat made a joke. I won't get into it, but I'll talk about the, the men's hire. But no, it was not. Yeah, now and so, I don't be. I was definitely happy to to find that out because yeah. I would have been upset. But it, you know, it's, this is September, almost October. It's almost I'm just time gonna for, say that for uh, practice to start. So it's it's a late hire on both sides. Yeah, but, uh, the season is getting ready to get started, and uh, yeah, and I think the, the women's coaches actually announced. But I think this announcement is more about board approval. Uh, oh, they've been through the process. This okay, kind of announced over the summer. But this is more of an official announcement based yeah. on the board approval type of place. So they've been there. They've been still, there, right. Even when they got there in the summer, you would say that was late, too. Yeah. But it's not as late as you think it is. And okay. And traditionally, in HBCU sports, you do wait until the end of the year uh, to kind of create the space from the dead money. Uh, oftentimes, because the last coach was fired, and or sometimes they wait until his – tenure is up in terms of his contract before they release him and not renew it. And that's oftentimes why these coaching searches go on for so long or why you see the fact that HBCUs uh, have coaches come in late. And it really creates a dead year, in my opinion. There's not much you can do in that first year unless you just happen to be taking over a team that's already a championship pedigree and you just kind of kind of have to maintain it. Uh, while uh, you've seen that happen to some degree at Texas Southern University. Right. Okay. I want to say this. Um, we know Team USA on the men's side won the World Cup of Basketball. Women's World Championship began today in Istanbul, Turkey. And who was coaching? Uh, Gene Oriyama is head coaching the, the uh, Team USA women. Interesting how they went to the two college coaches to take to take these two teams and uh, – Basketball USA has decided to go that route as far as head coaches to going and competing overseas. Uh, I'm intrigued about that too, but I, I'm not sure if it's much more about their skill set. Well, both of them are obviously solid, and nobody can really question that. I just think that the professional level now is so much about business and so much year-round. Uh -huh. To take them coaches outside of that sector is not realistic anymore in terms of them having to alleviate the duties. So I think the best people they can get involved in that is get some of the best coaches at the collegiate level because of dead period and the way the NCAA works is that they're not necessarily committed uh, like you see at the professional level where now almost any sport at the professional level is really 365 days a year. Very little time for nuances. As we're speaking, you just seen uh, the basketball cycle heading up uh, this past Friday as everybody was getting into camps and things of that nature. So it's Except already, the Rockets. It's already cycling. Rockets start media day on Monday. Really? Not Friday or Saturday. Really? They're starting on a Monday. Really? So September 29th is will that be a media day. Thing such that you have to ask more, the, the professional over here. Attention or is I know, it's normally been on Saturdays. I know that. Yeah. It's been on the weekends. Recently, recently it's been on the weekends, yes. Right. But I'm saying that you <laughs> – Theoretically, if you look at it, it may be the framework that you're saying, hey, let's get outside of everybody else getting this action and find a way to get. And I think it previously it might have been be a good idea. different than everybody else to do to if they had the game over inter international preseason games, something like that. So, that a lot of the so, I'm, so I'm not sure. Cause I'm, they don't have no 
international preseason games this season. So right. I'm not really sure why they're doing it on Monday. Because years ago, I've been covering Rockets for 20 years. It used to be, even it used to be during the week. So just recently, in the last probably five years, they moved to Friday or Saturday. I just imagine a lot of people are trying to be more strategic in terms of getting the news out. And so if there's any way that you can separate yourself to some degree and kind of get your own private time, you know, the better. So, you know, that's fine. And I will be able to attend. Uh, the job has allowed me to I think that's participate. A, so that's I will, I'll be that's there the on Monday. important thing. In the, before we go too far, I think there's something I want to kind of point out that I thought was interesting in regards that ties in to some degree with the World Cup. Obviously, we were talking about from basketball, but from a soccer analogy, a lot of people are asking the questions in regards to right after the World Cup, people got excited. You know, to what degree is soccer getting a platform or getting a seat in the country? But there's a report just out by MLS, the commissioner that said uh, he was on Twitter talking about thanking the MLS fans for setting the new record for sellouts in the season. Today, match in Toronto was the 113th sold-out game this year. So I think that says a lot about MLS. Wow. Continue to expand. And just another example that soccer is taking a foothold. And it's going to be interesting to follow this as uh, people are talking about how is the impact in regards to what the NFL is going through now to kind of tie us in together. I think the greater impact issue that you're going to see is the concussion. But I think this is going to be a side issue that may not really impact NFL in terms of financial dollars, especially immediately. Uh, It is negative, but in terms of television ratings, most people would suggest that it really hasn't hit the NFL in terms of hurting where they would want to hemorrhage, which is in terms of people watching but uh it's no question that moms and to some degree obviously fathers supporting that is that the little league numbers are dwindling in terms of that financially uh it's interesting to continue to see how this will transpire at the collegiate level particularly with the now the big five is how they've ganged up how will that financially stabilize between the sport of football in general other sports as well and you cycle it down to the next level of programs. And just moving forward, how would that help or hurt or not do anything to MLS from that uh, in regards to soccer? I think it'll be interesting to watch in 20 years what's going on. This is behind the doors with uh, Major League Baseball as they start to enter into the winter. Classic, obviously. The fact that as the commissioner retires and goes out, is the fact that he's still commissioning uh, some legends of the game, I would say, in regards to how to speed up the game. Yes. I'm not sure if you can really do it uh, other than being really modernized. And I just think baseball folks are not doing that is when you literally set a clock in terms of a pitch count and not letting the baseball player uh, hit a gun out there. And I don't see that change. Well, it's know, just too much. Keep, keep the, bat- the batters in the batter's box That's instead, what I was saying. instead of yeah. adjusting their cups and their gloves and their helmet yeah. every time a pitch is thrown. Which is, you and know. you would have to do that literally almost have a clock to do that outside so. of that. I'm not sure. But I don't think that would change the game too radically for people to accept that. So I'm not sure how you're going to do that. But that's a major problem that you see baseball dealing with. Uh, and also, obviously, as they try to move back into the urban market, 
uh, with the Urban League Classic. We've seen, to some degree, in terms of the Little League, that that seems to shift and support that. It'll be interesting to watch that parlay over the next 20 years. How will that move the cycle moving forward? Uh, Do you think it's going to take that long? Because, I, I, well, let me say this. To really, I, 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 I think the you'll maybe see that, some glimpse of it, but I think to really see where baseball is, you'll see maybe in 10 years some evidence of it, but really to research it and analyze it appropriately, even if you see it in uh, 10 years, you're going to have to aggregate that data over the next four or five years and see it. So it's almost going to take about 20 years to really see and analyze to some degree what is taking place behind the numbers today. All right. A minimum of 10 years. Uh, I don't think how you can really measure that thing. I think this stuff changes really glacially. It's really small over a period of time. So you need to longitudinally look at the data over a longer period of time than most people would want to in terms of the framework. And the last one, obviously, is the NBA. We've seen what they went over in the offseason and how they handled their business in terms of negative ownership issues for the most point versus what you see in the NFL. And they're giving up. Um, they had a platform with LeBron James back in Cleveland. It's going to be interesting to see that. You see uh, Miami trying to reshape themselves, Chicago, I think uh, New York. So you have some interesting uh, things going on in the East, and obviously the Beast is in the West. And so that's, that's true. always going to be fascinating that's true. to see how that's true. the West shakes out. So I look forward to it. A couple of things. Um, Team USA women defeated China in game one in Group D play in the FIBA World Championship, 87-56. Only led by seven at halftime. I saw a little bit of the first half, first quarter, before heading over for the podcast. Defense was a little bit, you know, lacking. Offense wasn't wasn't smooth. Uh, Brittany Griner played. She's got 15 points. No, she, she uh, played well. Yeah, some ba- balanced scoring. They blew the game open in, in the in the second half. Third quarter was twenty one to eight. They outscored China. It's similar to the, to you say men basketball. They they just wear teams down with their depth and quality of depth. And um, there won't be much competition. Maybe Australia will give them a run. You know, deep and get to the medal rounds. But but I want to say the games are on NBA TV. They are NBA TV is broadcasting the games. I believe uh, the entire uh, World Cup World Championship is available on ESPN three, or you can go online check FIBA.com, FIBA.com to uh, see if you can purchase uh, links to watch the games. But the Team USA schedule, thanks to a colleague, former colleague Jada Evans, since he still has a WNBA team to cover, I don't, but. She covered the Seattle Times. Yes, now that was a brick. I threw that brick right there at the WNBA. No longer have a team to cover. But Jada did a write-up in her blog post. Uh, more details about the Women's World Championship. Talking about Sue Bird and the schedule. The USA Team USA play China today. They play Serbia on September 28th, 1.30 Houston time. All these games will be on NBA TV. Uh, September 30th, they play Angola. And so that's, you know, the group stage. And then they advance to uh, another phase on October 3rd. That'll be uh, roughly either 9, 15, or 12 o'clock. And quarterfinals start September 4th. And then after that, 
the semifinals. So semifinals and hopefully the gold medal game for Team USA. Squad is, is it's a talented team. It's a younger team in some spots. Sue Bird is the first player to participate in four World Championships. But these names are pretty impressive here. Uh, Lindsey Whalen, Simone Augustus, Sue Bird, Maya Moore, Angel, Angel McCautry, Youngster, Odyssey Sims. Another youngster, Brianna Stewart, Candace Dupree, played ball at Temple, Diane Tarasi. It's called transferring of, 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 the, of the mantle. Neka Ogumake. Transferring of the Although the, the announcer. <laughs> we, as you say, we have he pronounced, stock. He pronounced Neka's name is, how do you pronounce it? Oh. Ogumake, or, or, he did not say Ogumake. He said something else. Fentina Charles and, and Brittany Griner. So we have some many UConn players. Some players from Houston area and players who played in ball in Texas in college ball. So good luck to them. Bring home the gold. Fellas, want to close it out here with this discussion. With all of the uh, problems the NFL is, has had and is having with their horrible performance or horrible handling of domestic violence, Howard Beck of Bleacher Report, used to be with the New York Times, wrote an excellent article about, and I put it, I retweeted it, stating the NBA needs to change its stance on domestic violence in the post-Ray Rice world. Just want to see, like, he had a good summary. Basically, um, I really didn't even realize this, but in the last, last three years alone, Nine NBA players have been charged with some form of domestic assault. Greg Oden, Ty Lawson, Jared Sullinger, Jordan Hill when he was with the Rockets, James Johnson, DeAndre Liggins, Terrence Williams when he was with Boston, Dante Cunningham, and then most recently Jeff Taylor of the Charlotte uh, Hornets. Now, none of them were disciplined by the NBA essentially because none of them were convicted. Some cases were pending, some were dropped, but as Howard writes, dismissal is not proof of innocence. So basically the NBA up till the NFL's problems had allowed the courts to determine whether or not a player was going to be punished, miss games, you know, one or two games, suspension or anything like that. Howard believes that that needs to change um, because the court system, U.S. court system may be great, but it is flawed. Many people have gotten off who, who are probably because they got good lawyers. And that's what it boils down that's to. Because you, that's because you're money. not guilty. Doesn't, doesn't Rainy day innocent. money. Yeah. Rainy day I'm, money. I'm, I'm, Rainy I have, day money. So it, it, I understand the framework, it, but I have it, major concerns. It opens up a slippery that. slope because yeah, players are, you know, one of the cores of the United States is you are, you know, you are innocent until proven guilty. Presumed. Presumed innocent until proven guilty. So. Yeah, but it's not, not in this case, it seems. So. And also you have the framework where um, you you have the right for justice in, in, in the process to take place. So I'm not comfortable with that framework with what's on the books, but obviously it looks like. Um, Football uh, is going to listen to 
the general public and make a change. And then if that framework, obviously the NBA and other sports are going to have to do the, the, the same. But really what concerns me again, and I hype on this, and other people refuse to look at this lens, and I'll be the bad guy of that. But when you look at the strategic lens of the people of color involved in these sports and how they are treated in regards to the framework of how people look at them versus general society. And we have other cases where people are in uh, public positions who are not handled the same way and they happen to look differently. So why do you have an arena where individuals make up these particular leagues in large percentages and are treated uh, differently? I want to understand what are the frameworks to create that environment and why is it socially uh, okay for us to accept that for the framework and society does not create that for other individuals. That That is unacceptable, frankly, for me to say that without at least bringing it to people's attention. And again, I'm of the framework, if this is the way society is going to go in general, uh, I think there are some rational frameworks that you can look at that and see this as positive for the safety of women uh, overall. And in my general framework, violence of any kind is unjust. But I want the same type of energy and disposable disposition in regards to sports in terms of other parts of society, uh, whether it's entertainment or in the political arena. I want to see that same type of robust passion uh, equate to that. And I just don't see it. So are you saying you want to see the same uproar that we, we saw with, everybody saw the video of Ray Rice. You want to see it if John Smith knocks out his wife. Correct. Okay. Our fiance. Yeah, Our no, girlfriend. No, no, John Q. Public. Correct. Or, yeah, I want to see or this, Jill Q. Public. Right, the same type of, of reverence True. of needing to change society for the better. But I want to see that same type of reverence, that same type of discourse at every level. But I particularly want to see it in terms of political entertainment individuals, the same discourse uh, that may be people of different ethnicities. Again, I look at this through a lens that says, why do individuals that happen to be of one color, if they do criminality, uh, obviously I'm of an individual that believes that they should be punished and due process should take place. But I don't see why that punishment should be any harsher than somebody else of a different ethnicity. And that continues to see a lens that I see all the time. And it, it's frustrating to see that when often people overlook it um, because they s polarize it in terms of a lens of just sport uh, differently from others. Uh, and it's just unfortunate that we live in a society where oftentimes color Obviously, social economic status still means a lot. Well put. And let me say this. Uh, one of the tenets of the article by Howard Beck is he doesn't believe the NBA should wait for the legal system. And I, I, one of the nine players that he cited was Jerry Sullinger of the, the Boston Celtics. 
Celtics president Danny Ainge suspended uh, Sullinger without waiting for the NBA to mete out any punishment because Danny Ainge said, quote, Jared, quote, failed to meet the high expectations we have for all Celtics employees, end quote. Unless it's taken care of from the person in charge. Well, I mean, that's one thing he it, said. He said all employees. So from that standpoint, uh, all employees are going to be treated like that. If it, he, as long as he's consistent in meeting out yeah, that punishment. I, I think and it's true. probably as long as he's in charge. Because the next person in would have to. Which is true. A different right. mindset. Because you know, that, yeah. other NBA teams, I don't believe that any of the other eight teams have had players suspended, suspended their players. Yeah. Well, it well, goes back to eight goes players back, what, who were involved in domestic assault were suspended by their teams. Danny Ainge kind of stands alone. No team took it upon itself to handle any punishment for their own player. When, go, when, Jordan, goes, when, when Jordan Hill was a Rocket and had his issue, Rocket didn't do anything with him. And it's, it, it was pretty much squashed, hushed. There wasn't a, a big, mis, uh, uh, big banner headline in the paper the next day. So it was mentioned or when done with, bam. And that goes back to what you said. You know, unless there's a policy in place at companies until it actually happens, you know, just they, they just face it as it comes. And if it's a uh gets into the pocket, then there's an issue. And if not, we're moving on. And here's what Howard Beck says. It's a player's conduct that matters not whether a prosecutor can build an airtight case. Howard Beck wants Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, to follow Danny Ainge's example. If the NBA can reasonably conclude that something happened, it can and must act. The NBA has no obligation to prove a crime beyond a reasonable doubt, only that the player's conduct was wrongful and detrimental to the league. And the NBA has the ability to conduct within limits its own investigation through its own security division, which is stocked with retired police detectives and FBI agents. Those agents can interview witnesses, including the alleged victim, and review police reports, photos of injuries, and any other available evidence. Well, that says a lot. Says a lot about the individual. A lot about the company, a lot about the program. Real quick, and it, again, this you know this is a changing paradigm shift in the landscape. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how this moves forward. And again, it'll be interesting to see how much of this platform, in, ter- in terms of this new shift, will start to shift into other frameworks of society in terms of uh, politics, entertainment. Uh, and general, people in general, in terms of corporations making these business decisions, how will this move forward? Um, because obviously it's just not professional athletes that are committing domestic violence against individuals. Um, so how will this play out when the next CEO of a Fortune 500 company is uh, in, finds themselves in this situation? You know, how will their board now treat this? in regards to them maintaining their position in, in that organization or high-level VP, how will this work in terms of uh, presidents at institutions? Uh, how will, at the college level, how will this play out? We've seen a quarterback that was involved just 
uh, making uh, unappropriate uh, terminology, uh, being suspended for half and then ultimately for a full game. So again, where would this go? And then you have the framework, and people may not want to listen, looking at this, and they may want to see this through one lens. But how are you going to deal with false allegations? That's true. And and, and, and they do exist. And yes. How are you going to deal with allegations when you see that it is truly a case uh, where individual is trying to pressure somebody into paying money uh, uh, to to make a case. So it's going to be interesting to see how this totally goes, how long this will play out. You know, is this something that is just a current and immediate framework in terms of society being flush with a horrible visual scene? Was this something that would truly be long-lasting, or is it just impediment of the moment? I think it's fascinating to watch what's taking place right now in our society. And one last thing from this article, um, and he, he, Howard Beck even, he acknowledges what you just brought up, Doc. He says, will someone file a false charge? Will a wife or girlfriend lie to police as a means of extortion or retaliation? Perhaps. But it is unreasonable, indeed, indeed dangerous and irresponsible to presume that every dropped case was the result of a false charge. Yes, but in our society of law, usually it's not about getting everybody, it's about getting it right. So you don't prosecute people, well, we do prosecute people, but you don't lock people up, or like you said, our laws suggest that you're innocent until proven guilty. So part of that is not because we want to make sure that we let those guilty people go free, it's about making sure you don't let innocent people be charged in punishment. And in fact, he's actually going totally against the precipice of what we have in terms of our social justice system, in terms of the law. So it's intriguing that our moral and ethical society is changing so much that it's becoming totally opposite of what we do in terms of the practicality of law. Right. And, and he, I think he does a good job balancing that because he says uh, nine NBA players have been accused of domestic violence in the last three years. Were all of those women lying? Or is it more likely that some or several of these players were in fact guilty of assault but evaded punishment because of a broken justice system in the league office that advocated its responsibility? There will be some resistance to change and impulse to protect players' current rights and any new policy will require union participation. And the new uh, executive director of the NBA Players Association, Michelle Roberts, and Commissioner Silver, have already said that they're going to take a fresh look at their policies in the league. That, that his, so his terminology he's using in terms of protecting one's rights, but you're gonna you're going to want to take away some rights to protect somebody else's rights. Oh no! But he that is toward his conclusion. He says there these are complicated issues to be sure. The NBA cannot rush to judgment for the sake of public relations. It cannot act on accusations alone. Players' civil rights must be respected, but so must the rights and welfare of the women in their lives. And it's impossible to argue that the NBA has sufficiently done so. 
In his brief time as commissioner, Silver has proved more progressive than his mentor David Stern and less beholden to long-held practices. One can only hope that his fresh look will result in a more principled and muscular stand against domestic violence. The NBA can do better. We shouldn't need a videotape. And on that note, I have one more word from THG Agency. THG Agency is the Heritage Group. It is a fully integrated consulting company focused on sports business, educational management, and leadership services. For more information, give us a call at 281-330-1341 or email us at info at thg-agency.com. You can also visit the website at thg-agency.com. Thanks again to THG Agency for their support and of our podcast. And the fellas, we wind it down here. Remind folks how they can find you on the, the internet. Once again, Blogspot, Blogger, YouTube, AKSV, The CSR, The College Sports Reporter, uh, TweetDeck, Twitter, Facebook, JL Woodley1, Jerry Lee Woodley Jr. Doc? Yes, again, you can follow me on the social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can email me directly at kcavill at thg-agency.com. You can also listen to me every Tuesday on www.kcwhradio.com in terms of inside the HBC Sports Lab. Uh, you can catch me on Onadon, www.onadon.com. That's O-N-N-I-D-A-N.com in regards to the top 10 being released on Mondays uh, for football and basketball. Obviously, those are the places you can catch me in regards to our report. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com. Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube. We have our KG Fifth Water Wildcat and Doc Podcast Facebook page. You can check out for updates and ask us questions, suggest topics for us you'd like us to discuss. I'm on Twitter at T H E H R Review. And we don't shy away from the tough questions. We do not. Just a few things here, sir. Wrap it up here. The Rice Owls are playing Southern Miss. This evening, kickoff is at uh, 6 p.m. in Hattiesburg. HBU Huskies football team. At home. Is at home for family weekend, 7 p.m. at Husky Stadium. Opening conference game. Coming off their 7-2-6 thumping of Texas College. Um, anything you want to say about football, sir? Um, we'll talk Texans later on because that's pro stuff. And, you know, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick is Ryan Fitzpatrick. He'll do what he does. Uh, have a good game here and there. Didn't stink it up like he did. Against the Giants. Year of H is off this weekend. They'll start back up play, conference play. play Thursday. On Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. ESPN. At, at TDECU Stadium. UCF. God, that's a lot. That's a lot to say. That's a good, they're, but they're playing, they're playing UCF. They're playing a good team. A good team. Kickoff is at 6 They're playing a good team. So it means they're probably, probably going to lose. Uh, and and uh, so I'm just saying that. Like I, I said, they're playing a good team. I hope I'm, I'm, hope I'm wrong. But kickoff is at 6 p.m. Again, we'll be on ESPN. 
Um, good luck to Coastal Levine and, and the football team, Donald Korn and Joy Yimbu and et cetera. Hopefully U of H will use a balanced effort and not abandon the run after one quarter well, of football. Would still they got to figure that out. They, 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 they've got to figure that out. Figure they, out hell. You run the ball. If it's working, you run the ball. Just because you're down by 16 points after the first quarter does not mean you give up running the football. You can't put the ball on the ground. Can't have turnovers. You got to stay in the game. Am I correct, Doc? Yeah, definitely. You got to find a way not to turn on the ball. The quickest way to lose the game is to turn over. Obviously, you need to play sound on the defensive side, and you need to cut down on the penalties. Um, and Those are all the things that are hurting uh, Prairie View right now as well. Okay. All right. That answered that question. In the act. Earlier today, my goodness, SMU was shut out again. They lost to TCU 56-0. USF lost to Wisconsin 27-10. Rutgers, former member of the AC, beat new member of the AC, Tulane 31-6. So it's not a big day, not a glowing, not a ringing endorsement for football in the American Athletic Conference. Thus, we call them the AC. They are the American once basketball season begins, and they have much better teams and are able to compete and win on a national level in basketball. Right now, the two teams to be looking to be noticeable of in the act is uh, ECU, the rough man, Coach Ruffin, and uh, UCF. Uh, Both those teams are good teams. Which no, they means, are good teams. Which They're means not just they good will teams. probably beat the Cougars when they play them. So we're going to wrap it up on that note. You got something to say, sir? Uh, one that's uh, on a sad note, but also on a note, uh, taking our prayers to uh, North Central Texas College. Their uh, softball team was on their way back home on last evening from a scrimmage against Southern Nazarene University in Bethany, Oklahoma. And they lost a couple of team members. Quite a few were injured. Uh, in a uh, 18-wheeler and minibus, uh, minibus accident uh, on their way back to uh, North to Gainesville, Texas. Pray for the program and pray for the, uh, the uh, families and all that lost loved ones in that evening. Yeah, my condolences to all involved. Prayers to be strong during this uh, turbulent time for all involved. And that's sir, I am out. Prayers to uh, the family. Prayers and condolences to uh, the school, the students, family, friends, loved ones, everyone impacted by that uh, horrible accident. We're going to wrap it up, as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more. <laughs>